This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Michael here with you. I am joined again by two good friends, uh, Pastor Craig Jarvis and Pastor Ian Simpkins, and uh, two buddies of mine, and we are answering questions on pastoral ministry. And we, we recognize that what we do is really weird. Um, on one level. Most people don't totally understand Mm -hmm. the nature of a pastor's job, but uh, I'll give one brief explanation. It is our family. It is our job. It is our ministry. It is our friends. It is our community. In my case, it's my in-laws, right? (laughs) And every major part of our life converges in this one place. There's no getting away from it. 24-7, I'm shepherding one way or another. And um, so one of the the questions that, that I've been asked often is, so Michael, do you get nervous when you preach? Like, what's it like to preach in front of people? Because what is the number one fear of like all of humanity? Mm-hmm. Public speaking. Public yeah, speaking, right. right? And we, for a living, do this. So I, I want to just open that up to you guys. And you know, uh, Ian, I want you to start. Like, what is your general emotional experience as you preach a sermon? Do you feel excited, anxious, nervous, hesitant? Yeah, the all of the above. It's it's all over the place for me. It actually was very strange. Just a. A little while ago, I was asked to, to read for some of our, our preschoolers, and I found that experience to be terrifying for me. <laughs> oh, kids are terrible. Like, like for some reason, I, I, mean, I, was like, I was pacing in my office. <laughs> my palms are sweaty. It was so... But for, for preaching, though, um, it's been such an odd experience for me because... Uh, not, not to mention the preparation piece, right? To be convicted by the very words you're writing is such an odd experience because there's been moments where once a sentence is finished, I'll read it back to myself and say, that's, that's for me. I'm profound. No, no, no. no. Like, I usually end up with, I stink. That's usually yeah. my response as well. Like, oh, I can't say this to anyone. I'm in the middle of grappling with this. So uh, probably for the first three or four years of preaching, uh, I was in the back office by myself on my hands and knees like ready to vomit, ready to jump out of my skin. Like there was a, a really deep uh, weightiness that's that's still there, but I, I don't feel quite like I'm going to throw up as much anymore. But I, I remember hearing early on, I think it was Tim Keller who said, as a preacher, you just have to come to terms with the fact that your first thousand sermons are not going to be very good. Hey, I was like, man. thousand sermons? I'm going to be old. I'll be like 30 by then. <laughs> So that was that was really convicting for me in preparation for uh, what is this what does this journey look like? So I you know even just this last weekend there were a number of moments where I, I was pretty surprised in the midst of preaching how how emotionally um, invested and involved I was getting even even in that moment like thinking of names and stories and looking at different people and knowing a bit of their history and, and like you said all of these roads kind of converge here and and that's been. For me, one of one of the biggest blessings in growing not only as a communicator but also as a uh, as a pastor, th- these aren't just theoretical biblical principles. I'm like looking at stories and journeys and like, oh, you've come so far in the last year. I know that you're in the midst of this, and so when you speak about brokenness or you speak about joy, you, you know that it's not just a, um, it's not just a, a, a cerebral exercise, but you're like you're walking with people. Yep. When I, when I prepare a sermon. Like one of my goals in preparation is that I want to own this. Like mm. I want to, I don't want to get up there and preach a stoic message. Like that's yeah. my nightmare. I've sat under so many guys who have mm. preached emotionless, disconnected, truthful sermons, but it didn't come out of their heart. It came out of their mind. Right. And 
culturally, I just have this value of dumping my entire soul into a sermon and laying it out there and saying for better or for worse, what's, what's gut wrenching for me, I would say the hardest common experience that I have in preaching is seeing my wife Mm. there. And if I have been a bad husband or, or in this, like if I even for a moment implicitly or explicitly communicate, I'm better at something than I really Mm. am. Her eyes meet my eyes and I'm like, baby and so like there is a forced like honesty that happens Mm. with having family members there you know Mm. and then as i mean you know craig you're experiencing this as your kids get older there is no Mm. space for bs i mean Mm. it is like you gotta be fully transparent which is one of the emerging values by the way for all pastors like who are you we want to know transparently who you are but at the same time um don't make it all about you it's always a catch we're always going to lose in some way but (laughs) um but for me like like i i'm trying to pour my soul out it is one of the most vulnerable experiences on the planet to stand in front of a group of of a couple hundred people whatever size your church might be pour out your soul, talk, and then have the expectations to compete with Chuck Swindoll and Rick Warren and all these other guys that are bombarding their brains throughout the week as they listen to their podcasts or WMBI or whatever they're listening to, which we want them to, but like knowing like that is a very real part and, and they expect me to give them something as good, but I'm 35. Right. I've been I've been preaching regularly in a, in a sermon capacity for six years. That's it, hmm. right? Uh, Chuck Swindoll said once he didn't even start his public ministry until he was fifty, hmm. and I'm like, interesting. Like in my brain, he came out of the womb like the best communicator on the right, planet, right? right. And, and I'm thinking like, wow, like, and that's so true. What you said, a thousand sermons. Like I feel like it's going to take me like ten before I even get my groove, you right. know. And anyway, so. Craig, talk to us just a little bit. What is your emotional experience as you prepare and deliver, or as you deliver a sermon? So for me, it's it's the one of the hardest parts. I think is where the shepherd part connects with the communicator part, mm. because you, like you said, you're looking into the eyes not only of your friends who can see through you, uh, and you're right with with teenagers. They, you know, they they don't. They know when you're not genuine. They know mm-hmm. when other people aren't genuine. They certainly yep. know when you're not genuine. And they'll tell you and other people if and you're not. They will, yeah. Mm-hmm. And may may explain why a lot of pastors are losing their kids. And so mm-hmm. th- that's mm-hmm. that's a big uh, weight on my shoulders. I don't want to give them any reason to think that I'm feeding them something that I don't believe or I'm not living. Right. Um, but the other part of it, where the where the shepherd and and the communicator connect, is when you when you're delivering a message. It's it's different than than doing a. a uh, let's feel better speech or right. a, you know a, a, a self-help speech it's it's a moment of time when you look into the eyes of people that you've just done a funeral for right. or you've just sat at their bedside and and watched the lord give them a miracle and bring them back to life or yes. um or or they're in church for the first time because you you stood at the crib side of their baby that got abused by a uh, by a daycare worker and right. almost died. And then they looked in your eyes and they said, why is God doing this? And then right. you're able to minister to them and, and invest in those lives to the point where they're now coming to church and they're they're needing something from you that will give them answers that will take them into the future and hope that will that will make, guide their decision-making process. Mm-hmm. And so so speaking a message from from the text is is a little bit different than than just giving a speech. Yep. And that's where I think the emergent church went off track and why they're becoming obsolete now is because 
they turned the the they misunderstood what preaching was to the point where they said it it's speeching. And I, I felt bad for them because obviously they've had a lot of bad experiences mm-hmm. where somebody's yelling at them the whole time. That's not preaching. Preaching is is preaching is what Jesus did, lowering yourself to the lowest level so that you can you can help people understand that you're on the same plane as them. You're just gifted differently than they are. Mm-hmm. And your gift is to care and to shepherd. And when you communicate, that's what you communicate. Mm-hmm. You don't communicate some lofty thing that you're, you're not invested in, or you don't communicate that I care for you, and then you, you don't show up in their time of need. You have got to be who you say you are and use the, bring the text to life through mm-hmm. your actions. And unless you do that, you can preach until the, the cows come home, but you'll never, and your church may grow, but you'll never have a depth to that church that will carry the people through their needs when they come up later on. Right. Yep. I've been asked, do you get nervous? And uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, a teacher made a, a critical comment to me in front of the whole class. And something happened in my brain where I resolved I will never stand in front of a group of people and ever speak again. Mm. To the point where my first church, um, I, was nine, I was 20 years old, and uh, all I had to do was give announcements, and I couldn't even do it. Wow. And I, I begged God. I didn't want to go into ministry because I couldn't actually speak in front of a group of people. And uh, it was not until I was 27 years old that I had the ability to get in front of our church and speak without an incredible amount of anxiety to mm-hmm. the point where my first couple sentences would be like, you know, like, what? I mean, it just I couldn't get them out. You know, your voice quivers, yep. your feet, your, your legs are weak. And and uh, by God's grace, um, bef- right before I became the lead pastor of Village, um, the interim lead pastor, God took that away from me. It was just like his gift. He knew mm-hmm. that I was going to need to like be up in front. And that was the last thing I needed to be worried about was me, you mm-hmm. know. And um, but like I, the more time goes on, the less nervous I got, but the more I would say passionate I got. And what I try to tell people is uh, think about all of the desires and aspirations you have for your kids, right? Um, and imagine you 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 have that similar experience with a whole bunch of people that you're doing life with and you're preaching to. And so when we, like they call it, I put on dad voice sometimes, you know, like I put on dad voice because and, and not once, I don't see them as kids. I just see them with that same level of passion, you know? And so there is so much energy behind yep. what we're saying. Yep. And uh, and at the same time, I remember in one, it was 2009, I had a funeral of an 18-year-old youth group kid in our group who died of testicular cancer. In the afternoon, it was a Saturday, I had a wedding of a girl that grew up in our church. And the mm. next morning, I had to get up and preach my regular sermon. And it stunk. And I imagine somebody criticizing me and saying, you know, you weren't all there. And I'm like, to be honest, sometimes I don't even know how to deal with the weight of right. what I'm feeling. Right. Um, and I hope when I'm 50 or 55, I'll do better at it, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, all I have to say is, how do you feel? Are you nervous when you preach? I don't know. Like, life is so weird and pastoral ministry is so weird. Sometimes I don't even know the emotions that I'm bringing to the table. Right. Sometimes I'm too busy because of so much insanity that I don't even have the time to process. Mm -hmm. Like, what just happened? And then I'll be preaching, and all of a sudden I'll be crying, and I have no idea why, right? right? right. And people are like, you planned that, right? I'm like, (laughs) I'm embarrassed. I don't like to cry in front of people. I feel stupid, you know, like full transparency here. And so, Ian, share with us just a little bit about – just yeah, your your experience um, as a preacher. Um, share with us, especially like some circumstances that you've been in where, where you've just been surprised at what mm. came out of you. Yeah, you know it's 
it's always an odd experience when someone comes up afterward and says, what, what was that thing you said? I want to write that down. And you kind of rifle through your notes. You're like, that's well, actually no not idea. in my notes. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even say that at the first service. And so yeah. there, there is, um, there is this, this unique joy though. When someone, I had a guy a couple of weeks ago, he came up to me, actually his expression was terrified. He said, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but have you been stalking me? And I said, why, why do you ask that? Maybe. And he said, uh, <laughs> maybe. He said, you you used a phrase in there that verbatim was what my wife and I were struggling through like two days ago. Mm -hmm. I said, brother, I, I promise you, I don't have the time to be stalking congregants. Mm -hmm. But that for me is such an affirmation when I'm feeling so inadequate, so underqualified when someone says, you could not have possibly have known how significant that would be in my life. And, and, and to be honest, the last 10 years for me has been a journey in learning to be transparent and, and vulnerable. I, I've shared, I think, Michael, with you uh, about a year and a half ago, we had a, a, a couple leave our church and they sat me down and said, uh, we're leaving. And the reason we're leaving is we find you to be just a bit too honest about your own struggles. And it like broke my heart because my natural inclination, to be honest, is, is stoicism, is never let them see you sweat, be the unshakable leader. I have it all together. It's been a, it's been a, a battle and a journey for me to let these pieces be known. Like you were saying, Craig, this, this is a, a part of my story that I'm still grappling through even as I'm preaching these words. And, uh, and, and the Lord has done such a work in my heart and, and, and our community has done such a good job, I think, of allowing space for that, which has trickled down into how we do community groups, how we do leadership development. It's, I mean, what is the cross if not a declaration that we don't have it all figured out yet, that, that, that the Lord is redeeming and restoring us. And so being able to kind of weave that through our, our preaching tapestry and realizing that every day of the week we're preaching anyway. It might not be with a microphone. It may not be in front of people um, as, as big as on Sunday morning, but um, what we're sharing with in our lives and our struggles, that I think in many ways is what informs the environment on Sunday mornings. Amen. So how do you feel in a sermon when you see people sleeping? <laughs> I'm serious. Like, right? Uh, like, What goes through your mind and your emotions? Do you feel, let's be transparent. Do you feel a little rejected? Do you feel mm. embarrassed? Do you feel like what's wrong with you? Mm. A little bit of everything? Well, I'll talk about that. But first of all, let me just revisit the original part of, of this, I think one of the reasons that we may not, well, preachers or those called to, into the ministry and because they're, God has gifted them this way, is because they really grab onto those verses when Paul says to Timothy, for instance, preach the word, be ready in season, out of, se out of season. Yeah. For what? Reprove, rebuke, exhort, gentle with gentleness and instruction. Yes. I mean, and and that's what weighs on us. So when we yes. when we when we delve into the text with our folks, I think I think that's a part of the the confidence that we find is that in in our nervousness, like you said, Ian, I think might come more for when we're preparing mm -hmm. than when we deliver. Right. And it's because we have we've worked through the text. We're confident that we have honestly deciphered what God is intending to say. Yes. And on Sunday morning or Saturday night, whenever it is, when we deliver that that text, uh, we're doing everything we can not to be big but small and right. let that text speak through so that we preach what God has put on our heart and let the Holy Spirit use it to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And some people want us to be, what's the word I'm looking for, nervous and like yeah. hesitant. Mm -hmm, sure. I, I don't feel nervous anymore. Mm -hmm. In fact, I feel emboldened, mm. even if it is hard for me personally to mm. hear. Yeah. Um, and so like I found that like some older men have been I'll say a little hesitant by my confidence uh, mm. in terms of preaching the word of God. 
And I don't lack confidence mm. because I know this is from God and not from exactly. me. Exactly. Right. Confidence right. is in the text. It's not, not in not myself. Your, right. You know? Exactly. And what what happens is you preach with one group long enough is you just get more comfortable. Mm. I can get up in front of our, our church and just goof off with them. And yet somehow it doesn't take away from the seriousness of God's word right. because we have an ongoing relationship. It, mm-hmm. It's different, you know? And, um, but at the end of the day, I think like I, I've heard each of you preach and, uh, I've watched videos of you preach and, uh, Craig's all over YouTube. So bring it on. And, uh, <laughs> but cat, cat videos or yeah. is it? <laughs> the yeah. Right. Yeah. My, <laughs> oh, you should my see kid, them. he plays the piano. He's amazing. <laughs> For the Lord. Yeah. But but sure. there is a level of confidence there. Mm. Um and, and I would translate that not as arrogance, but as comfort with the people, mm-hmm. confidence in God's word. And I am totally comfortable that God has asked me and each one of you to enter into people's lives and their hardest moments and say some of the hardest things. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the more you say, you know what? Like mm-hmm. This is what he's asked me That's to right. do. And it's privilege. Yeah. privilege. Yeah. It is a privilege. Absolutely. And so uh, I just want to caution people from ever thinking pastors are arrogant because yeah. – we're not. So when people are sleeping, so what do, you, what do you feel? I think when I started out in ministry, it hurt a little more than it does now because I'm older and tireder. And so <laughs> I empathize a little more. <laughs> so you're jealous yeah. of their sleeping. Yeah. You're like, That's I want right. to be doing that too. Yeah, Craig's 75. You may not know that. <laughs> I think... I, I think that um, I, I don't I don't take it personally anymore uh, because I, I I think I realize that people come from all different backgrounds, um, and they're they're not they're not wired to to honor the text uh, like I am. I'm called to do this, so so for them they're they're trying to grab onto something as I speak. Maybe that's passing them by that they can hang on to through through the week, and maybe they got it. Maybe they maybe they didn't. Maybe they got it before they dozed off. Um, or maybe they just came in from from a busy week, or maybe right. they just came in from some relationship issues that kept kept them up all night. Or some folks work all night and then yep. come to church right in the morning. Right. So I don't I don't really take it very very personally anymore. Mm-hmm. People will come up afterwards and say, "You might have seen me sleeping," and I just you know I, I don't look for those that are yeah. sleeping. When when I see somebody that's that's gripped by the text. Um, that's that's empowering though. I, I have to say, it's kind of those moments when you can hear a pin drop, you know. Yeah. And once in a while, those come. And um, and for the people that need to hear it, they're they're going to get gripped by the text. And I yeah. leave the rest up to the spirit. Yep. What about you, Ian? You know, my my church growing up did such a good job of communicating to us that the church is also a place of refuge, and and served as a place of refuge. Um, I mean, physically for a lot of people and. Uh, you know, I remember the first time preaching, watching someone just straight up sleep, not even struggling. They weren't like brought a blanket and an alarm clock. Snoring. Like, Good to see you, Pastor. Pajamas. They're in a onesie and right, adult onesie, right. you know. See in 45. Unicorn onesie. They put the breathe right strip and everything. They just they just <laughs> put a CPAP on like a Darth Vader kind of moment. It was it was beautiful. But the, the beauty, though, uh, particularly of, of smaller local churches, too, is that exactly what you said. I, I know so much of their stories. And when someone comes in, like you're a single mom of five, and what the sermon you need right now is a nap, and and that, <laughs> and and when your when your ego isn't a part of it, right? When your ego is a part of it, like I prepared, I work so hard, I think you've already missed the point of preaching anyway. And so when someone comes in exhausted, whether whether the the reason is quote unquote valid in our mind or not, what that person may 
realistically, physically, spiritually need right now is just a safe space to rest. And the the 30 minutes they get, whether a kid is in nursery or in children's ministry, that that might be the biggest gift, not only to their body, but to their soul. And that I was so grateful because I feel like I, I saw so much of that model in the church I grew up in and that it it wasn't about the ego of the guy on the stage that works so hard and you owe it to him. And like, it's not ultimately about him and his PowerPoint. It's about the family being the family. So when I meet with my family and we're supposed to be sitting around the table together and someone says, I just, I just need a nap. None of us take offense to that because we trust them and we say, oh yeah, maybe that's just what you need to do. And and we would like to have you here. We'd like to have you engaged, but we, we trust that in this moment, Maybe you just need you just need to put on that breathe right strip. Right? So you so you hear it here first. Yeah. Uh, go to Poplar Creek this Sunday and grab, you need grab some Z's. Safe place. You should we're, have some cots. We're gonna crank the heat up to ninety and see what happens. Ian does not mind. Oh, it's a true so Sabbath. Good. Snoring welcome. Yeah. When I was in my twenties, I'd get really offended. I'd be like, "What do you mean I'm not interesting?" Right. And like, truthfully, no, I wasn't. And so, like, <laughs> but. But now, like this is this is funny because um, almost invariably there's one demographic that sleeps at Village Church, and it is men between 55 and 67 years old. Mm. It is almost 67. Uh, yes, I want to be really clear about the age gap right there. So it's the like majority that. then. Yeah, basically the majority of men in our church are sleeping. No, it's it's really interesting to me. It it, it is a. Uh, uh, it is a demographic that, like, I I now am trying to go after mm. to capture them. And some of them, they're on they're on second and third shift, and they're exhausted. Right. And like for mm. me, I wanna I want to be able to draw even them in. And uh, so for me, I've kind of taken it as a challenge. Like it doesn't mm. upset me, you know. I think for the last five or six years, I found very little, I guess, identity in whether or not people sleep or not. Sure. Um, you can't control that. It's just there's also a part of it though that if 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 you're preaching in a way that that leads someone to sleep, then you're really not doing justice to the text. Yeah. Yep. yep. So there's a part of that too. That's well said. Oh, I don't want to make people sleep. Oh my goodness! Not when they heard the word of God. News, no. let them sleep, but yeah. not the word of God. Right. Oh, well, we one of the things that we say a lot is that Sunday mornings is the push not the point. And so it's not about coming to this event. It's about, we, we're equipped, like exactly what you said, Ephesians 4, the gathering here is the equipping for the works of ministry the rest of the week, right? We say it's it's a battleship, not a cruise liner. So that's not to say that there won't be people that come. You just need a moment of rest. You need to be cared for. But the vast majority of you, we're preparing you for the battle that is a nine to five job or a crazy you know, home life or whatever that is. And so we, we, we want you to be awake for that because ultimately what we're doing here the main event isn't the point. It's 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 how we actually carry this through in our marriages and our jobs and our neighborhoods. Right, right. Preach. With that, I want to thank you guys again for being here with us. And uh, so privileged to know both of you. So privileged to be friends with you guys. Likewise, and man. Uh, man, love you guys. So, mm. uh, Village, I want to just say thanks again for joining us, all of our listeners. Really grateful. Again, our desire, and I hope you hear this in our hearts, is we want to give Jesus our absolute best and yes. make disciples. We want yes. to honor him and bring him glory. Mm. And it is a weird thing to preach the Bible, but uh, we are called to it. We love it. And uh, every year, hopefully, we are able to equip the saints better through the preaching and teaching of God's Word. P.S. listeners, you may be wondering, how do I get this podcast into as many hands and ears as humanly possible? After all, it is objectively the greatest podcast in human history. So... Uh, The quick way to do that is by leaving a rating and review. The more uh, ratings and the better reviews a podcast gets, the more Apple pushes it out to as many people as humanly possible in their search engine. So here's a quick tutorial on how you can leave a rating or review. 
First, if you have a iPhone, iPad, or any kind of computer, Mac or PC, open up the iTunes store. Do not go into your podcast app because your podcast app will not allow you to leave a rating and review. Go to your iTunes store, search in the search engine, Village Church of Bartlett. Three podcasts will come up, pick the Q&A podcast, and you will see ratings and reviews. Go into the ratings and reviews, preferably hit five stars, anything less than that. We'll judge you, but um, then they, you will see the word title. Title is the name of your review. For example, um, these people are amazing. Tim is the most handsome man ever, etc. And then you can actually write your review. And then if you would post that, we would greatly appreciate it. The more ratings and reviews, the more people actually get to see the Village Church Q&A podcast. So on behalf of Pastor Tim and myself, thank you, thank you, thank you.